This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And good morning. It's the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor here, just uh, getting my earplugs fitted at the end. <laughs> and a good morning to uh, our lovely friend and gardener, top quality gardener, might I add, Charlie Dobbin, who's on the line from her home in Prince Edward County. Good morning, Charlie. I was just saying you sound pretty perky. <laughs> Well, this crazy. I woke up at 3.15 this morning, and uh, my mind was just going all sorts of things I had to do, you know, blah, 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 and I couldn't get back to sleep. So I finally headed into the station here early, early this morning, about 6 o'clock. Wow. And, yeah, just, I've got to tell you, uh, I, I made an appointment to get my hair cut. Oh, but yeah, the, the barber was so jammed that they they had to start taking bookings for Monday. So two o'clock on Monday, if if you uh, are viewing this this morning by uh, you know going on your computer to, to yeah, watch us I online, I okay, I should change my name to Francine because <laughs> my hair's getting so long. Gee. Well, it's not that bad. I can still see your ears. Well, that's, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> anyway, we got a lot of fun planned here and a lot of questions to answer from folks. I better get the phone numbers on the yeah. air. Yeah. Uh, for those out there who would love to ask Charlie Dobbin a question, all righty, in Toronto, call 416-360-0740. Then anywhere else in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Please remember our mantra, if you would, call early, call often, one question per call, and if you happen to be a first-time caller, let our operator, Carlos, know. He'll let me know, and that's what I'll do just before you hit the airwaves. Get your garden, garden wings. Garden wings. Yeah. Hey, um, I have a couple updates. Yeah. One is, I received an email. Remember last week, we had a call right at the end of the show. A woman named Anne from Derby, New York. Yes. Was going on about a plant, a big, tall plant <laughs> with fragrant flowers and yeah. all that, you know, great cut flower. And I didn't have a clue what she was talking about, but we have some very smart listeners to our show. So I did get a couple of uh, suggested plants from some of our listeners via email. And um, uh, C, like first initial C, last name, Slaberski sent uh-huh. a suggestion that this plant of Anne's in Derby, New York, could be Angelica, or also known as wild celery. It's a very old historical plant. It's been used for thousands of years for for both its edible properties, Mm -hmm. but also its medicinal properties. So that's, and it gets very tall, you know, six to seven feet tall. Uh, there's many, many varieties of it. Usually it has white flowers, but then there's uh, about 20 different species, all of which has its own specific fragrance. 
um, and it does have very ferny leaves. So what exact species uh, Anne might be having, I'm not sure, but uh, again, has a tall hollow, like a bamboo-type stem, so a lot of things were consistent that it be Angelica. So Anne, if you're listening, Google Angelica and see if that might be the plant for you. Yeah. And, and maybe a good point to pick up from last week's call from Anne from Derby, New York, uh, if, you, if you can kind of just uh, <laughs> take a moment to listen, because uh, <laughs> she was so excited about trying to get through it to us and, and to you. Um, so uh, we were trying to suggest, please send a picture. Right. Uh, uh, that might help and be helpful. And I'll give you the, the numbers uh, and yeah. so forth, your address, a little bit later on. Meantime, we're up to our first break here. And okay. we've got to take a little break for our commercial friends to um, have their say, because, hey, without them, we don't appear. All righty. So Charlie Dobbin here in the Garden Show will return in moments on Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. You know, Charlie, uh, every once in a while we uh, have a call from a first-time caller, and mm-hmm. it turns out that those people become second-time callers and constant callers. And I think this is the case with Morag, who's calling in from Etobicoke. Uh, correct me if I'm mistaken, Morag, did you not be a first-time caller last week? Yes. yes. There you go. Good for <laughs> Thank you. you. Thank you, Charlie, for uh, telling me about my wet garden and uh, and uh, not enough sunshine. I think that's uh, the problem with the, the Shasta daisies, etc. <laughs> Uh, good stuff. Well, thanks for calling back. What's going on? I wanted to ask you about feeding flower gardens now. Um, they're in the plants are in good soil. I've top dressed a bit with black organic soil. So, what does one do now for the rest of the summer? Feeding. Um, okay, so I'm a really big fan of feeding my plants, my outdoor plants, and my indoor plants when they're actively growing. So most active growth happens in the outdoor gardens in the spring when it's the temperatures are starting to warm up and everything's waking up and there's growth and you know, buds are bursting and sun and rain and everything's working perfectly. That's when everything gets fertilized is in the spring. By the time we get to July, it's not as active of growth. Normally now the hot weather will slow the growth right down so the plants will be not perking along like they were in May and June. So um, if you have good quality fertile soil, like I said, I'm just not a big fan of feeding plants that are in an environment we can't control. We cannot do anything about, you know, 40 degree temperatures. Now, I could, this is a funny kind of a year. We had such a dry spring and now we're having a moist July. So, you know, it could be the exact opposite that you are seeing lots of active growth and then it would be appropriate to fertilize. But our cutoff date is the end of July. There's no more fertilizing in the garden after the end of July. And if you are going to fertilize now, use a water-soluble fertilizer, the ones you mix up in a watering can and then you sprinkle on the ground or on the leaves of a plant. Um, Don't be using any kind of the the slow-release fertilizers or anything like that now because it's July. If we're using slow-release or any of the granular fertilizers, we use those back in May because they, they do take a number of weeks, if not months, to release to the plants. Well, I would say my garden is a summer garden. It's just starting. It's just coming now. Um, there you me. go. Yeah. Well, you know, and like it's not a May garden. It, it's summer. Things are just starting now. The 
bee balm and all different, you know, different ones, the lilies and the uh, echinacea and ones like that. Yeah, well, keep in mind, you're talking about the flowers are just starting now. The growth yes. started way back in May and June. So, okay. so absolutely, I mean, if you feel, and these are plants that, how long ago did you plant them? Are they a couple years old? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, um, yeah like I say, you could definitely fertilize today if you wanted to with a water-soluble, you know, all-purpose uh, flowering plant type fertilizer. Okay. Uh, no problem, but just remember the cutoff date is the end of July. No more fertilizer. But how can you do a whole big flower garden with a liquid in the watering can? <laughs> That's what I think of. Well, they have hose and sprayers you okay. can spray. Uh, so you could do something like that. Uh, if, you wanted to, if you wanted to go with a granular fertilizer, which is the one you sprinkle like you're feeding the chickens, you go out there. The trick with that is you, you, you go out there and start broadcasting a granular fertilizer, it's going to land on the leaves of your plants and burn the leaves which is why it works so well in the spring when there's a lot of bare soil and we can broadcast the fertilizer out onto the surface of the soil and not uh, impact the, the plants in a negative way. Okay, and her triple mixer, 777 or 101010, that's, that's not an answer. And can you buy those two fertilizers nowadays, 777 and 101010? Oh, yeah, 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 and 101010, 202020, it's just called an all-purpose. So it's the, the numbers are absolutely uh, balanced. So that is considered a balanced fertilizer. For flowering plants like echinacea, you mentioned Monarda, bee balm, the daylilies, um, I prefer something with a little higher middle number. So a 15, yes. 30, 15 or something with just the, the middle number a little bit higher than the others. Okay, Morag, okay, you know, you uh, we have to interrupt here because <laughs> it, we're now drifting into several questions. And we've really only allowed one, okay? So we have to, you can always call back. And we appreciate that very much. So give a call back if you can. Meanwhile, uh, let me just deal with a, an email we've had here. Very nice note from Lily Nestor, who says, Hi, Charlie and Frank. Love the show. I'm wondering if you should use, an, or if I should use, an additional general fertilizer for my tomato plants if I'm giving them a weekly dose of the Epsom salts and milk powder concoction. <laughs> Lily from Hamilton with that question. Yeah, so this is, this is the fertilizer show by the sound yeah. of the train. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> well, the one thing Lily doesn't tell me is what the quality of her soil is. If she's planted those tomatoes into a good quality, well-drained, you know, full of organic matter type soil, then I would say no, do not add additional fertilizer to your tomato plants. But if she's planted those tomatoes into a tired, uh, either very sandy or very clay-based soil that has not seen the addition of, of any organic matter in years, then I would say you probably will need to use an additional synthetic fertilizer. But remember, it's one or the other. So a synthetic fertilizer is what we were just talking about with Morag, where you're mixing it up in the watering can or you're broadcasting it like you're feeding the chickens versus uh, something I'm far more in favor of, which is to avoid the synthetics and instead use the what naturally occurs. So make leaf mulch, add that to your soil. Make homemade compost with your coffee grounds and banana peels, add that to your soil. Bottom line, go to the store and buy bags of composted manure, add that to your soil. And that's all organic-based, and all of that acts as a nutrient, which, as it breaks down, slowly releases to the plant. So a good quality soil beats a synthetic any day. All righty. Uh, Charlie, there's a first-time caller patiently waiting online from St. Catharines. Marguerite, we're going to come back 
and uh, you'll be uh, afforded the opportunity to ask a question of Charlie in just a couple of moments here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, Charlie, I'm reaching for that bell. There we are. That's for first-time caller Marguerite calling in from St. Catharines. Good morning, Marguerite. Good morning. Uh, morning. I just want to say thank you for your great show. You've been listening for a long time and received many nice tips. Thank you. Great. Okay, go ahead. Okay, what I'm calling about, we have some violets in our lawn that we just cannot get rid of. My husband has been spraying with lawn, you know, weed killer and so on. And, of course, it kills the other weeds in the lawn. But these violets, they just want to spread and spread, and they're taking over the lawn. And we cannot seem to do a thing with them. Hmm. Okay. Did you send me an email? Yes, I did. Okay. So, uh, Frank, this if you look at our list of emails, yes. is a, the subject line is question, and it's from Marg. It was number six in our list. Ah, so right you so, are. Yep. So we won't do it twice. Um, yeah, this is a problem. What you what's happened? I don't know if you spread, sorry, planted those violets, or uh, they actually, came from a neighbor. When we moved into this house forty some years ago, they were in a flower bed, and I thought they were so pretty. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? I planted those violets in Richmond Hill, and they are now in the entire town of okay. Richmond Hill. That's what we're having. Exactly. So I mean, they're very pretty. They're native, believe it or not. Like they're quite. That's quite interesting the way you know that. And you know, in the spring when they're when they were out there in the lawn, even they look pretty. But oh yeah. They are taking over the lawn. They kill the lawn. Yes. And, and they have this really nefarious way of spreading themselves around. So obviously they produce those beautiful violet-colored flowers, and then seeds obviously will be um, sent off from those flowers to other areas of the yard. But the violets even uh, produce seeds underground, which well, is why is it's so that I hard have to noticed. Get. When I do pull these out, mm-hmm. I am amazed mm-hmm. at the size of the root on this exactly. little violet plant. And, and you look at the round balls that are hanging from that root. Those are the seeds that are being produced underground. Okay. Mm. Yeah, so here's my only... I, there's no herbicide that, that's known to mankind that's going to annihilate violets. This is where... What I actually ended up doing, because I realized my mistake, was I started hiring every hungry teenager I could find <laughs> to sit or get, you know, bring a shovel, come to my garden, and start digging. And you have no spring, idea how afraid I was you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> the spring is the best time to do it, because then you can really see them with the flowers, and you have to dig them out. Do not try pulling them, because you'll end up leaving all those little seeds behind underground. Okay. So you'll end up, it'll look like, uh, you know, a, 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 um, a bomb went off in your yard because there'll be holes all of over the course. place. I thought I mean, you would have some magic for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but the reason you want to hire the teenagers is they're more affordable than, than uh, you know, some landscape professional. Uh, it's just a digging job, and it's, a, it's, it's consistent. You'll just do it. It'll take a couple of years, trust me. Uh, it might cost you a couple hundred dollars, but at the end of the day, you can get rid of them. Wow. <laughs> that's that's uh, probably the most unsatisfactory answer, but that you, nothing you can do, right? No, I know. that It's true. This is going to come up again in some of the email, yeah. I think. There's just oh. things get into our gardens that we don't want, 
and they start growing, and we don't realize it. And by the time we do realize it, they are just everywhere, and it just becomes a really big deal to get yeah. rid of them. In future emails we'll be getting to eventually, uh, mm-hmm. this problem is cropping up time and time again. Mm-hmm. But here, <laughs> I love this little note that Hillary Morgan has sent along to you, Charlie. She says, good morning, guys. I have a little chipmunk. I have fed it for four years now. But... He is now taking advantage and eating certain flowers like pink poppies and Gerber daisies. I'm upset with him, but I love him. <laughs> what, can I, what can I do to deter him without harm? Thank you for your program. Oh, the Jeebus Hillary. Oh. oh, dear. I know. So this is one of the reasons we say don't feed wildlife, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's like, well, mind you, how are your swans? Are you feeding oh, the swans? Oh, yeah, no, I've stopped feeding them Good. because yeah. they, they come up on the on the beach and uh, well, that crap all over the place. To be very honest with you, so and we're they, trying to they, discourage that. You know, yeah, and they were getting aggressive. They, oh. they were like coming right up into your face. Yeah, right, right to the door. Yeah, <laughs> right yeah. to the door. Oh, unbelievable. So, I mean, it's a bit sort of same kind of story here. But the chipmunk yeah. starts saying, "Well, I'm entitled to all this, aren't I? You've been feeding me and encouraging me." Yeah. So one of the things people will do when they try to separate the squirrels or chipmunks or, or any little pesky varmint from their garden, they'll have a very separate eating spot for the wildlife. Mm-hmm. So she might want to try that. Um, get a very, away from all your plants that you love, set up a spot where you only put the food that you can, whether it's peanuts or whatever that the chipmunk gets, and, and try and sort of train the chipmunk that here's your feeding area, this is not. Um, one of the things people will also use to try and deter chipmunks from the ornamental part of the garden is they'll use things like human hair. You know, we're all off at the, we're all trying to get to the hairdresser, so there should be good access, but lots of hair. <laughs> yeah, stick um, around. I've got a ton of media. <laughs> <laughs> you should see mine. It's a lot longer than yours. <laughs> but uh, so get some human hair, scatter that around the garden, uh, coffee grounds can be a, a smell that they don't like. Even used kitty litter, believe it or not gathered around, which is not to say, you know, poopy kitty litter, but you yeah. uh, as in kitty litter. Um, and then bottom line, even, there, I mean, there are some um, different um, aromatics people will sometimes use. Uh, I know if you have any kind of hunting or uh, hunting store or that kind of a store in your neighborhood, they will sell fox urine and you can sprinkle fox urine around your garden and that will deter Things like chipmunks, for sure. So, you know, there's sort of those kinds of things. And nothing lasts forever. Any of these um, deterrents we put down wash away in the rain and need to be replaced. Um, Cayenne pepper is something that's been used over the years. So, you know, different ways. But you've got to try and train that chipmunk, I think, is is the bottom line. Okay. And, and, uh, boy, I sympathized with Hillary. I love those little guys myself. They're so darn cute. But, (laughs) you know, they can be a bit of a pest. Oh, yeah. All righty. We're going back to the uh, phone lines here. To say hi to Joanne in Midland. I'll bet it's beautiful up there to write about now. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning. How yeah. are you? Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I just I wanted to talk about my dahlias. Um, we planted them from a tuber last year, and they came up beautiful. Uh, but we didn't we didn't harvest the tubers, so this year we planted them from plants. You know, and they're not growing very much. No, and they're different. And they'll be different plants. I don't understand. We've watered them and fertilized them, mm-hmm. but they're not doing very well, and they've been in the ground over a month. 
So they were little four-inch pots, were they, or six-inch pots? When yeah. You yeah. And what are they doing right now? They just look the same, or they're actually deteriorating? Well, they're a little tiny bit bigger, but they're nothing really uh, changed. And I'm wondering, um, do they have to be deheaded all the time? Um, well, not really. People will. Um, there's ways that you can uh, debud, take the little tiny flower buds off of dahlias, for two reasons. One is. If, if you look at a plant and it's got all these little branches and there's like three or four little buds on the tip of every branch, most people will, if they are aware of this, will go in and remove all of the buds on every tip except one. And that way you'll have bigger flowers. If you leave four right. or five buds on every tip, then you have lots of flowers, but they're much smaller. So they do choose to remove some of those buds to have to maximize the 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 size, but not necessarily the number of flowers. And of course, just to right. check, you, you planted these dahlias in full sun, I assume? Yes, they are. Yeah, like six hours minimum of sun every day. Oh, yes, they've got, they have got full sun. And, and the day, soil, actually. Are they in pots or in the ground? No, they're in the ground. Okay. So, um, yeah, so I guess the main thing is that they're in, they're getting consistent water, but not water every day, obviously, but consistent water because we've had so little rain. Uh, we've had to get out yes. there. My and, husband's been watering them. Yeah. yeah. So, um, up until now. Yeah, I mean, hard to say exactly what's going on there. I mean, if you provided what they need, which is water, fertilizer, sun, and they were reasonably healthy or good, healthy plants to start with. They yeah. are growing, but it's been hard. It's been a very hard spring for all of our plants. It's just been, where I live, it's been hot, dry, and windy. And hot, dry wind is not what most plants want. Right. Okay. But, yeah. So, be okay. patient. It's only early July. you still got two full months to enjoy them. Okay. Th- thank you for calling in. Uh, appreciate that. And, oh, a note from, I like this, from Jean Milne, who says... Uh, Hi, Charlie. Enjoy you and your bell ringer on Saturday. <laughs> I'm the bell ringer. Okay. Uh, she's obviously sent you some pictures. She says, could you please help me with these two bushes? I don't know their name. They're getting out of control. I'd like to cut them, and I require your expertise. Right. So picture number one is of a mugo, very overgrown mugo pine. And picture number two is of a very overgrown, what looks like a purple sand cherry. Mm -hmm. So yes, indeed, they can definitely be um, not necessarily cut, but they, well, yes, the purple sand cherry, if you're going to prune it, do it today. Um, Purple sand cherries bloom early in the spring, fragrant whitish, pinkish flowers, purple leaves all summer. Um, but all the flowering for next spring will take place on new growth from this summer. So it, generally with our flowering shrubs, we prune right after they finish flowering. So the purple sand cherry would have bloomed way back in April probably and should have been pruned quite hard because this is a big plant at that point. But at this point, I because it's overgrown, you just say, okay, forget it. I'm going to... Um, lose some of the flowers that I would have had for next spring, but I'm going to get this plant under control. So just on a dry day when there's no rain in the forecast, get out your loppers and take off at least a third of that plant. Uh, You're going to want to open it up, thin it out a bit, shape it, and uh, 
that's going to be an ongoing process, but you're going to do that every spring right after it flowers. Mugo pines, little pine trees, evergreens in general, we only prune when they are actively growing. Like there's no flowers, obviously, to give us a, a time frame. Pines, have, their new growth is on the tips. And when the pine bud opens, it's called a candle because it's like, starts as kind of a little mm-hmm. tubular growth on the tip, and then the little tubular growth expands and expands up and out, and those are called, like I say, called candles. So to prune any pine, but particularly mugal pines, you wait until they're in the candle stage, so you've got those clear buds ex- expanding. At my house, this would have happened about a month ago, and you go in there, you've got your gloves on, and you can remove the candles just by giving a little twist because it's very soft growth, no, no pruners here, just a twist with your, your hand, and off comes the candle, or even part of the candle, so half a candle, two-thirds of the candle, whatever. You go through on every single bud, and you uh, organ, like, shape the plant based on either removal of all candles. Now, if it's a really overgrown mugo pine, then you might have to get in underneath with your loppers and start doing some, some cutting from the very base of the plant. But uh, try and stay on top of these things when they're young, and they'll never get out of control. All righty. Thank you very much for the question, Gene. And just a note, uh, obviously, Gene sent you some pictures, so if you uh, folks would like to send Charlie a picture of uh, your problem to help her solve it, here's uh, Charlie Dobbin's email address, c.dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. That being said, we've got callers on the line, have to be dealt with right away. There's Ron, uh, just around the corner maybe here in Toronto. Good morning, Ron. Welcome to the show. Charlie, thanks for taking my call. Good morning. Uh, I've got a six-foot indoor Benjamina tree that I've had for about 10 years. Two years ago, half the leaves fell off from one side. And I've been avoiding uh, pruning the dead branches, I'm hoping that the leaves would come back. What's my uh, remedy? Uh, you're going to have to prune out the dead because it, it won't rejuvenate no way. On, the, on the dead, the brown uh, branches. But it will rejuvenate if you cut it back. Um, uh, so what would it cost? Was it like an open window or something? Uh, no, no, not at all. Uh, or, I, moved, uh, I moved it about uh, a foot and a half from where it is. Huh, that'll do it. They're, they're really picky when it comes to being moved because they don't like cold air. Like in the winter, if there was a window left open that on that side, that could wipe it out. Uh, even a hot air vent coming out of the floor, blowing up, that can, can wipe out a side and, of a Benjamina. And so, neither one, because I, I live in a condo. Yeah. The only problem is, Charlie, if I prune, prune that half side, it'll be lopsided. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you, you're going to have to balance it. You're going to have to prune both sides. <laughs> Oh, both yeah, you're, gonna, you're not going to prune the green side all the way back to the main stem. Like, so on the side that doesn't have any growth, is there any green at all? Nothing. Nothing at all. Huh. Something happened. Something made that happen. Like, it doesn't just happen on one side all by itself. Okay. But some environmental uh, event took place. I see. Uh, probably. So um, prune both sides just to even it out. Yeah. So on the one side, take off all the, the growth that has that is brown right okay. back to the stem. So that, like I say, might include making it a half a plant, right? Okay. Uh, so if you do that, then on the green side, now I'm going to just warn you, lay down newspapers or a sheet or something, because when you start pruning a Benjamina, it'll start dripping. Oh, I see. Okay. White latex, uh, like a sticky, these are ficus plants. Okay. Uh, so they will drip, and so you want to. You're going to have to lay down when you the 
dead side, you shouldn't see too much dripping, but on the green side, you will. Okay. So, yeah, just take it back. Um, there's going to be spots where it's kind of obvious where to cut back to uh, where a, a crotch on a branch or, you know, where, like don't just sort of cut randomly. Always take it back to a, another bud. Okay. And up to a third of the plant can come off at any one time. Is there a certain time of the year to do it or any time? Um, you could do it now. I certainly wouldn't do it in November, December when it's dark and everybody's kind of trying to sleep. Okay. But uh, it should be fairly actively growing right now. Okay. Again, though, as I mentioned to um, Morag way back at the beginning of the show, spring is when things are really waking up and full of energy. And okay. so that's often a great time to prune as well. So you could prune now and then plan to carry on with your, your cleaning up and your restructuring this plant next, you know, maybe April or May. Okay, I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for the remedy. I appreciate it. Okay, Ron. Thank you for calling. And as Ron hangs up and gets on about the business for Saturday morning, um, I'll let you know that there are two lines open here right now. So a good time to give a call if you want to ask a question of Charlie. In Toronto, call 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. And Charlie, when we return... Got kind of, uh, well, as we would mention, a lot of folks have the same sort of question, problems with the lawn. So a uh, heads up uh, to Barbara Clark and Donna Pitcher, who both sent in uh, emails relatively the same question. But I'll, I'll deal with that in just moments here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. So, Charlie, related questions uh, from Donna Pitcher, who says uh, he's got little shoots poking up all over the lawn. A trumpet vine, apparently, been pouring boiling water on it. Also salt, not sure what else to do. And the same sort of problem uh, coming in from Barbara Clark in St. Catharines, who listens avidly to the show. She says... Um, it's a very beautiful climbing plant that most of us yearn to glow, bell-shaped. However, you probably confirmed, Charlie, that's what it does. And although I love and enjoy my bloom so much, I, among a couple of my friends, have been suffering for many years. This darn thing it will not go away. They, she just keeps mowing them down, but they leave solid roots that keep springing up. So any answer for these ladies? Oh, nothing good. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> or nothing easy. It, I mean, it is doable. You gotta remember, you can you can kill highly invasive, vigorous growing plants. It is possible, but it does take perseverance. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's actually when Barbara sent her note from St. Catharines, she's actually referring back to a. I think we had a call a couple of weeks ago um, that somebody referred to things growing up in their lawn, and yep. she's got the same issue. Now, she does comment that mowing is the one way that she's been able to control Trump and Vine from growing up into her lawn. And um, Donna comments that she got rid of the main plant, but the roots have survived. So she killed the main plant, but underground, there were lots of roots, and those roots are anywhere from you know one to ten inches deep in the soil, and they have vigor in them, and they, like energy, they have, you know, carbohydrates in them 
So little suckers grow up from the root. <clears throat> it emerges above ground. As soon as that little sucker gets above ground, it pops a leaf open. As soon as it pops a leaf open, it starts rejuvenating re, um, itself by photosynthesizing and giving itself more energy to grow more, more roots, more leaves, more everything, um, more stems. So what do you do? Well, you can dig. You can be very, uh, get out that shovel and start digging. It's a huge job because those roots are everywhere. And I said, like I said, up to 10 inches deep. Salt. Salt will work. Um, but the problem with salt is you end up poisoning the soil. So you can't actually grow anything in that soil afterwards. So I'm not a big fan of using salt to kill plants unless it's an area that you plan to pave over in the future. So, um, and that's road salt. We're not talking table salt. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are herbicides. When you go to your local garden center or, or wherever you shop for your plants and you go to their area where they've got the different sprays, you will see a spray that, and I, who knows what they call it now. It used to be called pavement clear or something like that. And it'll show like a, um, a, a um, a driveway which is made out of um, interlocking bricks on the little graphic, and there's also little weeds growing up between the bricks. Mm-hmm. And they're selling you this product to kill anything that's growing. So it's what we call a non-selective herbicide. Uh, if you look at it, it'll say on it, you know, kills everything green that it touches. So you can, and often it's a vinegar base, so it's an acetic acid is the actual active ingredient. You can use that horticultural vinegar on those little trumpet vine suckers that are coming up in your lawn, you've got to go out every single day. You've got to spray only the green leaves of the trumpet vine, and you're going to very slowly starve it of its ability to uh, rejuvenate itself with photosynthesis. It's going to take a couple of years, but it can be done. So digging is going to be fast and, and very hard to do. A herbicide is going to require daily maintenance, uh, but it is a great way to slowly but surely kill those suckers as they emerge. Mowing in the meantime keeps them down low, but but where you did see them coming up, you know, put a little stake or mark the spot so you know where to come back to to, to be ready with either your mower or your, your um, horticultural vinegar or herbicide, whatever it may be. Okay. Yep. Um, We're going to be talking very shortly to uh, Diane in New Hamburg, but we have to take our next little break. Time to fill up your coffee cup, uh, Charlie. Okay. Frankie, just before you go, I just want to say something. Um, One of our callers said they've been listening to the show for very many years. I looked up, um, you know what? Tomorrow is the 13th year anniversary of this show. No kidding. Yeah, July 4th, 2008 is when, when we launched. Well, how about that happy anniversary in advance? To us, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just wanted to say that. <laughs> Excellent. No, that's wonderful. And we'll be joined by Diane in New Hamburg in just moments here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. That's a toe-tapping little jingle there. It gets me, gets me up and uh, at it here on, on The Garden Show. And uh, as mentioned, we are going to be joined now by Diane from New Hamburg. Hi, Diane. Hi, Frank and Charlie. Good morning. Good to talk to you this morning. Thank you. Okay, I have a question about our red bud tree. Mm-hmm. 
is it too late to prune it back? So redbud, <clears throat> lovely tree, Circus uh, canadensis, um, nice big heart-shaped leaves, beautiful bright pink or white flowers in the spring. So as I was commenting um, earlier, the idea of uh, doing our pruning right after something flowers will maximize the, the blooming next year. So it's not too late. You can prune it, but again, you will be pruning off some of next spring's blooms because the buds form on the growth that's growing right now. Right, but it's pretty thick, mm-hmm. and, the, and the branches are getting long, like mm-hmm. overtowering my other plants that are around it. Oh, so, yeah, they, and they're and yeah, oh, yeah, they're vigorous plants. It's, it's an upright version, I assume. It's not one of the weeping uh, no. uh, red buds. Yeah. No, it's a lovely plant. Um, so definitely prune what you have to now on a dry day, of course, but then keep in mind what you're experiencing now in July and next spring. Like, and when you're pruning, you're going to see how much new growth has already grown this year. I bet you there's probably about a foot of growth. Oh, at least, yes. So, yes. so next, where would I start if I start pruning it? At, at the bottom, like uh, oh, is it a tree or a shrub? Bottom layers off, or is it a shrub or a tree? Is it got it's a, a tree stem? Okay, so where's the lowest branch on the tree? Uh, it would be about, oh, maybe three feet, two and a half, three feet from the ground. Okay, and how tall is the plant overall? The tree, oh, probably 10. Right. 10 feet. So, I mean, ultimately, that's a tree that you're going to want to be able to walk beneath. That is, I mean, it's never going to be a huge shade tree, but you do want, you are going to start, I would start trimming it up. So you're okay. going to remove from along the trunk some of those lower limbs. So that instead of being three feet off the ground, it's five feet off the ground before you get to some branches. Okay. And then at that point, you're probably going to bring the branches in uh, by as much as a foot. Who knows exactly how much you can work with there. But, but do uh, remember for next year, knowing that this plant's going to grow a foot or more every, every season, you're going to want to do your pruning in May next year, like after it finishes blooming, uh, so that you can take it back recognizing it's going to grow, right? So we always have to anticipate where things are growing to. Okay, Diane, I hope that uh, helps you out there in New Hamburg. Meantime, uh, another area of the province being heard from right now, and uh, my the bell is, is mm-hmm. necessary right now for Rose in St. Catherine's first-time caller. Good morning, Rose. Good morning, dear. How are you? Good. Morning. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I listen to you all the time. Nice. I have a I have a plant that was uh, a plant that was given to me, mm-hmm. and it's in those little yellow in those orange little pots, and it's growing so tall. I don't know what it is. Mm. <laughs> and it's got a little, it, it had little yellow flowers on it when I got it, but it was only a little little plant. Now it's mm-hmm. grown so tall. I don't okay, know. So are the is. are the leaves kind of thick and um, waxy? Thick? Yeah, they're thick. Mm. It sounds like a calancho, so K-A-L-A-N-C-H-O-E, calancho. Uh, They are very commonly for sale, particularly in the winter, in garden centers and grocery stores. Yeah, yeah, I got it for Christmas. Yeah, just a nice bright little... Yeah, but it's in a plant, like a a pumpkin plant. You know, I mean, uh, a pumpkin... Like a, yeah, which is fine. I mean, it's, it's just like a seasonal little gift container. Yeah. So your job, and probably that what it's 
growing in now does not have drainage holes. So that's rule number one. We never grow anything in a pot without drainage holes. So just get yourself um, a, a pot, maybe four inches, six inches at the most, a little green plastic pot with drainage holes, fresh potting soil, uh, remove from current container, put into a, a different container, like I said, with drainage holes, and you can cut that plant down. You can just nip the top. How tall is it right now? Oops, we've lost the line there, Pretty unfortunately. Tall. Pretty tall. Oh, no, I, I oh, hear... Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, pretty tall, like a foot tall, two feet tall. Yeah, about, yeah, about that. Okay, so Maybe cut it more. down. Cut it I, to I half figure it. I could put it on the floor for a tree. Yeah, it's, it's never going to be... A, well, it's never going to be a very attractive tree. It's, it's a succulent plant. What you want is you want to get it in a sunny window and you want to get it to bloom again because it will bloom again if you can cut it down, rejuvenate it a bit, and give it lots of sunshine, and you'll get those yellow flowers back before you know it. Okay, Rose, thank you very much for calling and being a first-time caller in the show, too. And I think we can squeeze one more call in here from uh, Burlington, Ontario. Shirley, ready to uh, have a chat with you. Good morning, Shirley. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Yes, I have a, what I call, I think it's called a pea tree, and it's like a weeping form. It's about uh, two and a half feet tall, and last year I didn't wrap it. I usually wrap it, and I put uh, that uh, spiral plastic uh, mm-hmm. guard on it. And this year it has some of the branches that didn't leaf out or flower. Mm-hmm. And I just wondered uh, when I should prune that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually a very beautiful thing. Yeah. It has, like, ferny leaves, and then it has, like, a whitish flower. Yeah, well, it actually should be yellow if we're talking about the same plant. It's, yeah, it's typically called a weeping pea shrub, or yeah. tarragana is its proper name. It has yeah. green bark on the, on the main stem. It's, it's kind of a, it is a member of the, the bean family. It's a legume, so it does have green bark, uh, very lovely uh, pea-like flower, uh, leaves and flowers. And they are an interesting plant. They are very tough, very hardy, will live for many, many years, and then suddenly one winter... They'll, they'll, they'll suffer damage and uh, not be in good condition in the spring. So your job, and it is July now, so if there's branches on it, and this is true for anybody who's listening with any plants, woody plants, shrubs and trees that have um, no growth on them now, so no buds broke, no leaves grew on some of the, the, the growth on our trees and shrubs, today or sunny day, sharp pruners, Get out there and trim out the dead stuff. It's not that it's not going to suddenly burst into leaf now. It's July. Well, if it, it has, was, it would have done it back in May. It's yeah. some of the the main branches have have uh, died mm-hmm. off, and I'm just wondering if I should prune right back to yeah. where it's joined to yeah. the the branch, the other branch, or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it it well. faces the west wind, so mm-hmm. uh, when I usually wrap it with this uh, tree. Uh, wrap, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I was in a hurry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I put that spiral plastic with the holes well, in it. Yeah, the spiral plastic is more to reflect sun away from the bark. So, oh, um, the, whereas it's, but but you're actually right. You're just going to get out your loppers or pruners, and you're going to start where it's dead on a dead tip. You're going to follow the dead tip all the way up until you get the live live green leaves. If you never get to live green leaves and you're right up at the very top where the graft was grafted, 
for the weeping part, then you're going to cut it off there. Gee, Charlie, Watch for buds. Charlie, guess what? <laughs> I know. We're, we're at the end of the old racetrack here. I and we know. have to pull off and put it into a siding of some sort. Uh, you are going to be calling next week from the uh, beautiful province of B.C., correct? I am. I've just had a real busy sort of things going on here. I had my second vaccination yesterday, but I'm feeling pretty good so far. I have a haircut today, and then I'm flying to Vancouver tomorrow. And I will be with you next Saturday from Vancouver. Oh, no, from, from um, Tofino. I'll be in Tofino next Saturday, where we're taping episodes of the documentary Healing Gardens. So I will update you on all the cool stuff I'm doing when we talk next Saturday. Absolutely. But in the meantime, how's your swimming pool? Are you swimming yet? We're not quite. We're getting there. <laughs> all right. Good luck with that. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.